What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Broccoli Roast. I'm Kyle Brock. Last week, the Dietitians Association of Australia officially announced that it is cutting ties with its corporate sponsors, such as big food companies Nestle and Campbell's Arnott's, in what I suppose was an inevitable move. Um, the, DNA, the DAA sorry, said that this will only serve to curb the public perception that their approach to nutrition and dietetics uh, is somehow influenced by these sort of sponsored or these partnerships. And I'm, I'm like, no, who would have thought that? Um, guys, welcome back to the Broccoli Roast. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Gut Summit. It's a live event all about your gut health and it's coming to Perth in November, Adelaide in February and Sydney in February as well. I've got a bunch of the best gut health practitioners from around Australia and they're all going to be in the same place at the same time, which is very rare. You can ask them questions, you can win prizes, you can engage with them and if you're a VIP, you can go out for dinner with them. Um, I'm going to be hosting the event and you guys can find out all about that at kalebrock.com.au forward slash gut summit. Um, this episode is also brought to you by my latest project. It's a new uh, kids gut health book. It's called Mandy Microbes Big Gut Adventure and it's a story told to inspire kitties to learn and care about their gut bacteria um, every time they eat. Uh, you can learn more about that over at kalebrock.com.au forward slash Mandy. Mm-hmm, a little bit of green smoothie. So, the DAA. Uh, this whole saga has probably been quite quite a stressful sort of situation for that organisation. Um, I say saga. This is probably since the rise of the paleo diet of Pete Evans, who, who has been very public in his criticism of the intimate ties between the DAA and its sponsors. I think that this decision to, to cut ties with those sponsors, it was always coming. This is what the, this is what the DAA uh, publicly said when they sort of announced the conclusion of their partnership program. DAA's corporate partnership program has been of value to the DAA and its members for the last 20 years. However, with the appointment of our new CEO, Coinciding with outcomes from our recent member surveys, it was timely con to conduct a major review. In April, our members were invited to complete a survey to express their views on the corporate partnership program. Um, all responses were then collated and they shared them. The DA board, together with the new CEO, Robert Hunt, have decided to conclude the corporate partnership agreements with companies within or related to food manufacturing and food industry associations. Now, prior to this decision being made, Nestle and the DAA had already mutually agreed that their partnership would conclude at the end of the year in line with their current contract. Um, so they're sort of saying, they go on to say that the corporate partners are mutually agreeable on this uh, <clears throat> direction, they say, this is important. Despite having robust procedures and policies in place and both parties valuing and respecting independence, I highly doubt Nestle are that excited about your independence. Increasingly, we are having to refute that our partnerships impact the advice our members members provide. Rightly so. Rightly so. This is like, and I, again, I will go in, into this later in the episode, this is very similar to pharmaceutical companies providing training for GPs. There is a massive conflict of interest. So, of course, you are always going to have to refute the idea that your advice is somehow influenced by the people who give you money. This is how money works. It buys influence. 
We believe this change will allow our members to feel empowered and strengthen their positive influence within their practice. Accredited practicing dietitians in all practice areas have an important role to play and will continue to blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's sort of the general gist of it. They sort of finish off here with the DEA is committed to achieving our vision of being the leading voice of nutrition and dietetics and feel this change assists to strengthen our influence in building healthier communities through nutrition. I, for one, am very positive about this. I'm feeling very positive about this. But... I did see some some posts online <laughs> already, really bashing the the, the DAA um, continuously. But despite this this great outcome, and again, it's a little concerning for me because just because we consider ourselves like woke, healthy people in the health and well being space, it doesn't mean that we should immediately and automatically shun everybody else who is not in this space and who is not woke enough. That is a religion. And we do not need to become a religion. We need to be open, okay? We shouldn't shun people who don't follow the same sort of dietary principles as us. I've said this before. Making being healthy and, and being into health and well-being um, niche and esoteric is not good. We need to open up this to, to everybody and, and not judge people. Um, I've read some of the comments on Pete Evans's facebook post about this um and you know <laughs> i actually i almost get a little bit embarrassed when i see some of these people commenting their brashness their their egocentric position on health and well-being as if you know we are the mighty elite woke health and well-being people it's almost it's it's entirely embarrassing guys we need to relax when it comes to this stuff we're all human beings we all want to be happy and healthy and, you know, everybody's trying to achieve that. We should allow people to do that and allow them to do that via a different route than the one we are currently on. People can be happy and healthy uh, with a different set of circumstances, a different set of diet, for instance, than us. We need to allow that to happen. So um, in the in the Pete Evans Facebook post, he's sort of calling for, or forecasting, I should say, some civil class action suits against the DAA for their nutrition advice in the past. Um, he's obviously very passionate about this, and, you know, I would be too, having dealt with the, the back and forth, the criticism that the DAA have actually dealt him. Um, he's handled it quite remarkably well, I would say. Uh, I would say that I don't think that a civil class action suit will occur. I think that's probably going too far. Um, the ties between their nutrition advice, which, by the way, um, mostly is in congruence with what us in the health and wellbeing space w w would say, um, you know, a wholesome, whole foods-based, colourful, preferably organic uh, diet, mostly plants. Um, you know, it's kind of all on the same sort of spectrum. It's just the grains and the dairy that don't really match up. And the ties between sort of that advice particularly surrounding the grains and dairy and the development of disease is not so clear-cut. I, I think it needs to be clear-cut. It needs to be black and white if you are trying to sort of do, um, progress with a lawsuit. I mean, sure, we know that grains can be inflammatory. We know that dairy can be maybe not so good for your bones, um, as we were previously told, whether that leads to someone developing cancer or osteoporosis. And then that being proven unequivocally to be the the 
result of consuming those foods. I just I don't think we're at that stage where we can sort of prove that yet because it's not clear because human beings and human bodies are quite complex and unique. You know, what if the person was stressed? What if they were eating GMO foods? What if the dairy they were having was particularly high in antibiotics and growth hormones? What if they were plastering themselves with xenoestrogens every single day in the morning, you know, makeup before they go to work? You know, and what if they weren't exercising and that whole thing with osteoporosis? You know, all these factors come into play. I guess... I guess what I'm saying is that, hey, look, the DAA and and us over this side, if you can separate us like that, um, probably agree on the 80% of ideologies which make up a, a healthy diet. And I think we sort of need to focus on that more than, than the differences. Um, this news for me is kind of similar to the Mojo Kombucha, Mojo Beverages acquisition by Coca-Cola, the, the episode I brought out a couple of weeks ago. It means the tide is turning. Guys, we're winning. This We are winning. How good is this news? I'm just going to have some green smoothie. <clears throat> Guys, this means we are winning. It means that the education surrounding Whole Foods, surrounding a colourful, organic, mostly plant-based, mostly plant-based, um hopefully organic and natural diet that aligns with our unique bio-individuality. It means that that is becoming a priority in this country. Independent, valid advice is, is also becoming a priority when it, when it comes to well-being. That's also really important to the, to the Australian people. For me, I hope that this marks a big shift in how governing bodies, um, governing authorities communicate their ties with industry. I mean, of course, we're all going to be a little bit excited about this for for sure, and that and that's natural. But just have a think about how much the pharmaceutical industry influences health policy in this country. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to go, go into this in an episode. The Guardian brought out an article discussing the millions of dollars uh, which Big Pharma donate to our political parties and how they collude somewhat shadily with sectors of the government to effectively get their own way when it comes to policies surrounding well i guess pharmaceuticals medication and just generally how we approach well-being um so uh, that article was quite uh striking and incendiary it was a very well researched and, and written article um this is just the sort of lead in the pharmaceutical industry is engaging in vast numbers of lobbyists and donating millions to both political parties creating a level of influence that a former health department secretary has linked to Australia's high medicine prices. Come on, there's more to it than that, guys. A Guardian Australia analysis of donations and lobbyist records has revealed the true extent of the industry's influence. About 72 separate pharmaceutical businesses engage paid lobbyists to influence government decisions and policy. They are represented by 29 separate lobbying firms, many of which have former ministerial or political ad advisors as staff. This is that revolving door scenario that we see in America. We see it perpetuate, perpetuating... That's probably not the right word. We see it pervasively polluting the American political space. This revolving door between industry and, and governmental positions... The same thing is occurring here in Australia. The article continued, The lobbying efforts of many others are hidden to the public because they employ in-house government relations staff who are hidden from Australia's weak oversight regime. I'll link the article below, but it's also on my Facebook page at Kale's Broccoli. Um, it got over 100 likes and people got a little bit fired up, which they sh should. 
Because for me, honestly, this is probably more important, I think, for Australians to first realise uh, and, and get out of this freaking stoic and and accepting and somewhat... Um, I'm trying to look for the right word, but we are very blasé in this country when it comes to questioning our government. It's kind of like, oh, Tony Abbott wears Speedos. That's what we'll focus on instead of the fact that pharmaceutical companies are influencing health policy. I think we need to start pu publicly criticising and calling out the government, calling out the pharmaceutical companies. This type of influence, I think, is far more pervasive and far-reaching than that of the DAA, for instance. But anyway, uh, this podcast is, is about the DAA. Um, what does this new development mean, exactly? Uh, it's a great question. For the short term, I th I'm sorry to say, I don't think it'll mean that much because, you know, there's no way the DAA are going to all of a sudden change all their policies back to, or back to, I say, change their policies to, you know, a paleo diet, for instance, or um, a GATS diet or, or you know, an emphasised gut health and blah, 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 blah. They're not going to do that because... Um, Doing so immediately would be an admittance of guilt that, yes, these these companies have been influencing our decisions and now that they're gone, we'll, we'll change our policy. That would be a very silly move to make. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, no, no, that, that, that wouldn't be a good idea. And they're not going to do that, trust me, okay? I think what they will do, though, is is carry a lot more strength when it comes to influencing and suggesting policy and ideas around nutrition and dietetics, they're going to be very hard to refute now because they theoretically, evidently, apparently, are going to be an independent body uh, that discusses and steers Australian health policy from a nutrition and dietetics standpoint. I think this is incredibly positive because overall we, we are going to move towards a... a more critical thinking kind of debate um, about which types of approaches to nutrition and lifestyle are inherently flawed, which are based in logic, which have just been influenced by outside interests, and, you know, which are just intuitive and, and the rest of it. Essentially what's going to happen is we're going to meet on more of a common ground here when it comes to nutrition and and how we how we move forward in this country with with what is realistically, evidently based on the statistics, uh, a failing, a failing health system, a failing approach to to wellness and and sickness, we need to change. How do we change? I don't know, but this is a very positive move towards that. Over time, I think you can expect the DAA's recommendations to change slightly, uh, slowly, probably to a point where they start recommending more vegetables and fruit than they currently do especially more vegetables i think um less grains and dairy yes that's going to happen but not to the point of elimination i don't think uh expect them to start shifting towards the organic movement i truly think that's going to happen and and thank god for that because it's freaking overdue i tell you what um guys i'm actually i'm actually quite familiar with this whole topic and situation because my girlfriend Emma is a, is a dietitian and nutritionist and she's um, struggled with the with the conflicting advice that she would have had to give if she actually pursued that as a as a career so she was certainly excited about this when I when I mentioned it to her this morning I, I want to say I want to say that just like the medical profession just like the GPs out there um, just like the complementary therapies and and alternative therapies profession professions 
there are good and bad practitioners. This is the same in the dietetics and nutrition space, just like there are horrible, horrific GPs who tell patients that they don't have to drink water, they can just get by on coffee and ginger beer. This has happened to someone in my family. Um, just like you know, those idiots exist who, who malpractice on a daily basis and should not be in an office or in an authority position when it comes to health and well-being. Just like those people exist, there are also people and GPs who are avoiding prescribing antibiotics unless in an emergency situation. They're looking at herbs, they're taking more of an integrative approach. Just like there are dietitians who are still prescribing Gatorade powder for athletes to get their electrolytes in, there are also dietitians who are, who are coming at this from a much more holistic perspective. Uh, and saying, hey, has some coconut water. And yeah, maybe you can actually cook in coconut oil and a little bit of butter. And, you know, fat's not as bad as what we what we thought. And maybe it is actually sugar that is. It's not this clear-cut thing where we can just group all these practitioners into one area. We can't say that all dietitians are bad because they're not. They've probably just had a largely skewed curriculum to actually progress through with, with their studies uh, and having a base fundamental understanding of human biology will only serve them incredibly well now that we've removed this corporate influence on, on how that curriculum is actually formulated. Uh, we are only going to see some much more positive outcomes from this and I think we need to actually be kind and be open and thank and be appreciative of the nutrition and dietetics industry for what they are going to do, especially what they're going to do uh, in the future, because they're important. You know, we can't just have this alternative health space. We need one health space, and it's got to be a great health space uh, that includes conventional medicine, that includes alternative medicine, complementary medicine, chiropractic, physiotherapy, exercise, nutrition, meditation, you know, all of it. We need one health space that covers all of that that's not influenced by pharmaceutical companies, that's not influenced by Nestle or Arnott's Campbell's, you know. That's what we need to move towards, not this divide between alternative and conventional, blah, blah, blah. We just need f smart people influencing public policy when it comes to making nutritional and dietetic decisions. And then at the end of the day, we have to let go and say that people have the freedom to choose whatever they want when it comes to this stuff. They can get jabbed if they want to get jabbed. They can take an antibiotic if they want to take an antibiotic, although that's potentially now becoming a little bit um, unethical to allow people to do that with antibiotic resistance. You see where I'm going with this. We need to actually calm down and stop trying to divide this health industry into woke and unwoke. We're all humans. We all just want to be happy and healthy. and We sometimes arrive at different paths or take different paths to get there. Okay. At this point, I want to say, when we look at long-lived cultures around the world, they're not dietary zealots. And a lot of us have become dietary zealots. 
They eat a wide variety of foods. They eat grains, legumes, they drink alcohol. They don't meditate. They don't do yoga. They haven't listened to a freaking Tony Robbins audiobook in their whole life. And they live very regularly into their 90s and commonly into their hundreds. We need to look at what they're doing. And that may actually be coming back to more of a more of a stress impact, I think, and a pace, a pace of life impact. Um, and of course, you know, they're growing their own food, it's organic, and you know, maybe we can start to embrace those things instead of looking at, oh, it's the dairy that's killing us, it's the grains that's killing us. So the roundup on this, guys, yes, it, this is a great thing. We, we now have a potentially independent authority here in Australia who can help steer us toward a healthier future. Don't expect things to all of a sudden just go and change and do a 180-degree turn. It doesn't work like that. But do expect some perspective shifts from, from the sort of dietitian nutritionist space. Um, some small allowances, perhaps. Yes, okay, you know, perhaps we were wrong about saturated fat. Um, perhaps we were wrong about dairy and bones and blah, blah, blah. It's going to change. And this is a great start in, and a great example of how public pressure can actually influence major decisions in this country. And I hope that we can carry this pressure over to an industry which I think truly deserves it even more so than the DAA. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Big Pharma and our government health department. <laughs> These guys need to be pressured we need to break the ties between industry and and government when it comes to health policy and you know this is a big step in the right direction so thanks so much for tuning in guys if you've enjoyed this episode and you think someone should hear it if you think it might help someone gain a little bit of perspective on health and wellness or it might change their life please just do me a favor click the share button wherever you're watching this or wherever you're listening to this and just flick them a text or flick them a message on Facebook or just share it on your timeline, share it on your Instagram and your little what's playing now thing, whatever. Just um, do me a favor. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone. Now, speaking of affecting change in this country, I want you to know some important statistics. One in four Aussie kids are actually overweight or obese. 20%, so one in five, have or will experience a mental health challenge. And 5%, 1 in 20, will have allergies. These are some serious health statistics that I'd love to change. And I'm trying to do so with my latest project. It's called Mandy Microbes Big Gut Adventure. Um, I've been working on you know, educating parents uh, about the gut microbiome for almost a decade now, which is kind of embarrassing to say. Now I, I want to inspire kids. I want them to feel inspired and excited about their microbiome, about their dietary choices and how these choices affect the trillions of bacteria which call their bodies home. And that's why the new book, Mandy Microbes Big Gut Adventure, is designed to inspire the kiddies to learn and care about those microbes which call their gut home. It's available for pre-order over at kalebrock.com.au forward slash Mandy. Um, please show your support by getting a copy or just share it with someone who you think it might impact or benefit. Um, don't forget we've got the Gut Summit coming up. It's a live one-day event all about your gut health in uh, Perth, Adelaide and Sydney. For that, head on over to kalebrock.com.au forward slash gut summit. If you want to stay up to date with me, just uh, come over to my Instagram at kalesbroccoli. I've got plenty more episodes coming up. I've got a little announcement coming up, I think, on the next episode. It could be the one after that. We don't know yet. Um, 
but I'll, I'll keep you updated. If you're not subscribed to the show, make sure you are over on iTunes or on your favourite podcasting platform. platform. Wow. I think I've just stopped speaking English. It's been too long. Okay, guys, I'll see you later. <laughs> see you guys.